0: Here we go.
1: My name's Todd. This is Kathy.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 643. It's quite a bit more than last time we recorded because we had five podcasts last week. And I got to talk about our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. The reason we had five last week is because we did our virtual summit celebrating uh, the release date of Kathy's book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Sweetie, just off the cuff, what is your take on you being a week into your week, your book being launched and us kind of finishing up with the summit?
1: Um, I feel great. I thought last week was really fun with the summit. A lot of it, uh, those of you who were in the summit, you know a lot of it was pre-recorded so it was just kind of, we got super organized ahead of time so things would go smoothly and of course nothing goes perfectly but it went pretty smoothly and people were able to continue to register throughout the week and watch replays of the um, you know, the speakers and um and as of now, Todd, uh those of you who were in the summit, you got emails from us saying, you know, you can listen to the summit speakers throughout this week. And I think it can go longer. Is that right, Todd? Yeah,
0: we're pretty sure it's gonna go for another few weeks. I yeah. don't wanna we,
1: we don't want to promise because we don't really know. Right. So we're
0: trying, we're doing our best, but we're we're working
1: with an app. So it's not just Kathy and Todd yeah, we're, deciding. We're
0: first time summit creators yeah. and we don't really know exactly how the technology and works.
1: People, A few people have emailed, they're like, we'll pay you. I'm like, no, no, that's not, we're not, this is not a holdout for money. This is like, this is a free summit. And we would like to make sure that people have access to these talks we're just working that out. So what we know for sure is for this week, you still have access. So go in, listen to the replays, and then we'll keep you posted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. And, and I appreciate everybody um, who bought my book. It was, it still is, or it was last night, a number one new release for school-age children parents, mm-hmm. um, which is wonderful. And I appreciate that. And I I one thing I do want to apologize for though is I think the audiobook doesn't come out until this week, which was not what was planned. I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. People were emailing me saying why, and and again, that's not a me thing. That's mm-hmm. a publisher thing. So if you, it, it ain't nothing but a me thing. It ain't. A, it's just not. And so if you did order the audiobook it should come out on the 8th which is tomorrow and i am sorry i didn't know if you actually looked the day before the book came out it said they all came out on february 1st so i don't know what changed but something did so hopefully the people who are waiting it'll be worth the wait
0: there you go you need a kleenex yeah, there i need a kleenex are you going to cry yeah
1: i was crying earlier today so i'm i'm getting better now um Todd's like, can we start? I'm like, yes, we can go. I like to cry. It helps me.
0: It cleanses the system.
1: It cleans the pipes, as they say.
0: Um, So we're going to talk about the Zen Parenting Moment, and it's titled Why We Do What We Do.
1: You know what, Todd? This is actually the talk of our, like, Oh, uh, this is the this whole thing. This is the podcast. So, if oh. you wanted to talk about other things before this,
0: sure. Uh, I want to thank Jill from Gray's Lake. She's a new Team Zen member, uh-huh. and uh, we're actually doing is we're recording this on Monday, February seventh. Um, we do this thing called Team Zen. We do these Zen talks, and uh, it's twice a month typically, um, and it's just a community of parents and Kathy and I, who I guess are parents. Yeah, and. Uh, we just have a discussion on Zoom.
1: About difficult things. And we
0: record it and then Team Zen members can listen to it afterwards if they can't attend in person.
1: It's kind of like another podcast, to be honest with you, but it's a live podcast where people are
0: asking questions. First uh, month is free, but it's only 25 bucks. So yeah. come on. Um, mm-hmm. The last few Zen talks, we uh, Zen talk number 136, we talked about sex and emotional labor, And Zen Talk number 135, we talked about in-laws, grandmas, and meltdowns, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's 130. So the minute that you subscribe, you get access to all 136 of these bad boys. So I would love for you to um, join us and then I'll say your first name and the town you're from but not your last name.
1: No, privacy.
0: Privacy, you know, because of that privacy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or were we just talking about that I wanted you to bring up? Oh, the who?
1: Yeah, so I was saying to Todd that um, I was frustrated about a few things this morning. That's why I needed to cry. But one of the things that I thought was... Interesting. I didn't cry about it, but when I was about uh, 17, 8, going on 18 years old, that my senior year of high school, 1989, thank you very much, I got very excited because all of my friends and I decided that we were going to go see The Who for their farewell tour. Like, we were like, let's go. We stayed the night in a hotel, huge thing, mm-hmm. um, went to the show, and they kept telling us this is the final Who tour because Pete Townsend is going deaf. Do you remember that?
0: You remember this? Uh, Up the this is a song called Pinball Wizard Sweetie. This is is
1: the obvious choice. Is
0: it? Yes.
1: I just found out from Todd like a week ago that he doesn't like the song Athena. No. Which made me rethink
0: our whole relationship. Yeah, it's kind of a dumb song. No,
1: but Athena, it's not.
0: <laughs> okay, you don't even know the words. I know all the words. So
1: anyway, the interesting thing about going to this Who concert when I was 18, it was a rite of passage, you know, and a very adult thing that we all did at the end of our school year. And I found out when Todd and I got together that he was there as well.
0: Yeah. So that technically our first date wasn't wherever our first date was. It was in East Troy, Wisconsin. Johnson. Even though we
1: weren't even didn't know each other nor did see we each see other. each other maybe we maybe could have, we maybe were in line together I could have
0: been waiting for the porta potty right after you Me and too. we wouldn't have known it
1: I know but then I read the news today and guess what's happening the who has a farewell tour and I'm 50
0: And that's like 25 or 30 years later Yeah that's that's pretty big It's kind of like the going out of business sale I think some certain businesses put that up And some of them, I don't think, have any intention of going out of business. They're just a marketing ploy. Do you think? Because sometimes they're up there for like a year.
1: So, but my question is, do you think the who, because it's not like they're the only ones. Motley Crue has done this. Rolling Stones have done this. Like a lot of people have said, this is my farewell tour, right? I love that I put Motley Crue before Rolling Stones. (laughs) I've been watching a little too much Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Um, So... They do do that because they may think this is really the end. Oh, you know who did it? The Eagles.
0: Mm. They kept saying. I thought they did the Hell Froze Over tour.
1: Well, they did because they said, we won't tour again until Hell freezes over. So then they did the Hell Froze Over. Turns out it froze over. So I think they think they're done. Mm -hmm. But then they realize. I think it's
0: a marketing ploy.
1: You do? Yeah. So you really think that the Who thought, no, we're going to tour again. I think they thought they were done.
0: They probably did. Yeah. But I also think, you know, if you're gonna do something, do it. Make it your last one.
1: But you are then, you are then deciding that people can't change their mind. I'm which not they deciding, can't.
0: but just be okay with me being annoyed at you when you do.
1: Well, I thought it was funny. I texted Manisha and was like, "Good thing we went when we were 18, <laughs> because they're back." Um, so anyway, and they've had a few tours in between. It's just this one hit me because I'm 50 years old, and it's such a significant amount of time. Do you
0: have any Who songs that you? like a lot but aren't necessarily in their like top 10 or uh, whatever Squeezebox oh I love Squeezebox mm-hmm. too mama's got a Squeezebox squeeze box yeah, she yeah, wears yeah, on yeah. her chest yeah. daddy comes home and never gets no rest Because she's playing all night So, What is the squeeze box?
1: I I, I always viewed it like an accordion
0: Yeah, that's what I thought
1: Okay, so, but people, you know, who are young think it's something else Mama's got a squeeze box, daddy never sleeps at night
0: But she wears it on her chest
1: I know, it's just, everybody, we're just, we just think in such a sexual way, don't we as human beings? Probs Everything becomes that Probs So anyway, that's the who. So one last thing before we
0: get into the guts of this podcast. Mm -hmm. You titled this moment, Why We Do What We Do. How
1: about that for a title?
0: And it made me think of this song. I like that song. I'm
1: a fan of the song. The movie, I'd give a solid B minus.
0: But it's one of those movies I can... Even though I agree with you, it's like a slightly above average movie. Mm -hmm. When it's on, I tend to tune in more than it deserves.
1: Lately, I feel like you have this... Movie has been on a few times in the last month.
0: It's just hard for me to skip over for some reason when I see it on there. So
1: why? What do you? What because I like that one. You like Steve Zahn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That guy is so funny. Oh my god, who? I I don't know who that guy is. That's Steve
1: Zahn. Who's Steve Zahn? Nobody knows who Steve. Yes, they do. Steve Zahn. He's he's first of all he's hilarious, and the reason you like it is because of his character. Like he's the one who runs off with the girl at the end, right? And the I think the thing I remember about that movie is when it came out, um, he that the guy who's the drummer, who plays the drummer, what's his name? I know Steve's on, but I don't know the guy who played the drummer Tom something. Tommy Lee? No, that's that's you're mixing up Pam and Tommy again. Tom Evermore. Tom Evermore. Okay.
0: Is that right? I was just making that. Oh, up.
1: I don't know. Oh. Um, I'm gonna look up that thing you do. So I remember people saying he looked like a young Tom Hanks. Tom Everett Scott that's is the his guy. name. Um And that that was interesting because it's Tom Hanks' movie and it was his production company and he was kind of like, you know. But we don't hear a ton from Tom Everett Mm -hmm. Scott anymore. So I don't know if you really picked up that. uh, What do they say? Pick up the mantle? Is that what people say?
0: Um, Yeah. It's hard to pick up any mantle. (laughs)
1: You're doing something else you're you're distracted,
0: I want to play that one clip of this guy <laughs> in that movie, but I can't find it,
1: okay, so anyway, that's when he you
0: says do- it's when he says some man in a really nice trailer is offering us a contract. I'm signing, you're signing. we're all signing <laughs>
1: it's it's a fair movie. It's okay, but I did not title this um Zen parenting moment after that thing we do. I said, why we do what we do because I was writing about how I think that i don't think it's a problem because i'm 50 and i've been doing it my whole life but my my ability to zone in on a conversation and watch why people are doing things and when they're doing them and what people are saying and why is pretty intense and i think conversations especially with todd over the years have taught me that not everybody does that so i kind of thought everybody did that yeah
0: Right, and not all of us do that.
1: Not all of us do that, and and there's pluses and minuses to it. The plus is that I feel like I have an understanding of what's going to happen in a situation, and I have an understanding of why people are saying what they're saying. I like to cut to the chase here because I, I say it later in the in the essay is everyone just wants to be seen and heard, right? Mm-hmm. So when someone starts to feel like they're not being seen and heard, their defense mechanisms go way up yep. and they start to say different things. They may start to focus on their accomplishments, they may start to get like, become like a jerk, like, well, you you don't understand. They may um, start to, they may shut down mm-hmm. because they don't feel seen or heard. And so sometimes when I'm watching a conversation, I don't, I mean, I do understand, but I'm going to say this sentence so you know what I mean. I don't understand why we don't tap into that more. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we keep going? Why do we keep trying to go at a conversation where someone is going to get defensive and shut so down? So are you
0: saying like, let's just Play here. Okay, yeah. So let's say I get defensive and reactionary and I'm really triggered and uh-huh. I'm in conversation with you. Uh-huh. Are you saying, why would you in that space try to keep on? trying to convince me of something because you know I'm in this defensive yeah, posture.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I think that even a step back, why? and again, I'm acting like I don't do this in a conversation. I definitely do this. I get into sometimes a conversation with people where it becomes defensive and I didn't even know why. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that later, that sometimes you can say something and you didn't mean to hit a nerve yeah. but you do because yeah. of that person's history you blindly
0: stumbled into somebody's did. thorn
1: exactly yeah. so it's not, so i do understand it but it's like sometimes we can tell like let's just talk about it, conversations with children. Mm-hmm. You can tell when a child's already annoyed that you're asking them a question. Yeah. And then sometimes we keep pushing and pushing and pushing as if that's going to offer us some kind of conclusion. Mm-hmm. And really what they're doing is shutting down more and more and more or they're getting more and more and more defensive. Yeah. So I think the 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 game here, if you want to call it a game, is to notice what especially with the people we love the most, because when we're talking about strangers, we don't have enough time to figure out what what you know frustrates them. But we do know sometimes with the people we love, I am not going to bring this up or bring this up in this way mm-hmm. because I know that this person is going to have a strong reaction to it.
0: So I think what you're saying, and you probably have just said it, but I wasn't paying yeah, attention. Let's, if we can have, if we can be better at relationships, we would better notice when we we would better notice when somebody's reactive or triggered. Right. So it's really like about noticing and not necessarily having even to figure out. The problem is um, usually when somebody gets defensive, right. The reason they're getting defensive in the first place is cuz there's a perceived threat out there. It right. could be the 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 their perception of their own approval or control or security or something like that. So they get triggered. And usually when somebody in front of me gets triggered, I get scared. Mm-hmm. And there's something in me that perceives a threat. Oh, maybe my wife doesn't love me. Maybe my daughter doesn't love me because mm-hmm. she usually from a triggered, reactive state, mm-hmm. there's usually a tap. What do you do when you're defensive in your box in a corner? You come out swinging. Mm-hmm. So if I'm on the receiving end of that swing, and then all of a sudden I get triggered and mm-hmm. reactive. And all of a sudden there's two people that there's two egos that are fighting and both want to win. So it's, you know, it's it's a cliche, but it's true. It takes two people to start a fight and only one person to end it.
1: That's kind of what I mean is I feel like there is this ability that each of us has. I, I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm going to talk to parents because they're the ones who are older and have more access to their prefrontal cortex, which is their rational thinking. And they also have more life experience that we can really be present with a conversation and notice the dynamics of a conversation. And when I bring this up, my child has a really strong reaction. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, because I'm sure a parent would say to me, well, I have to bring certain things up, Kathy, like I can't just avoid these things. But can we go at it a different way? Can we try it a different way? Can we notice the body language of our children? You know, the there's just so many little things that we can notice where we can maybe shift even our tone of voice
0: it's two questions okay it's the how which is what you're talking about is like how are you going to lean into this conversation Mm -hmm. so let me talk about that for a second so this morning something happened and it upset you yeah and I had a choice I could have come in telling you why your feelings were wrong or and so I'm patting myself on the back because I feel like I handled it well telling you why that you're, you're overblowing whatever this thing was that happened. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that. I did my best to listen and came over to you and let you kind of have all your thoughts. And there was a few moments where I think you were looking for some, maybe some support or some advice. And I, I supported you in that, but it's how are we doing it? Yeah. The second variable is the when, like, if you can't change the how, then change the when, which is, you know, if your kid is melting down and you're trying to convince them why they shouldn't be melting right. down, this is not a good time. Right? We know that our prefrontal cortex shuts off when we're in our reptilian brain, right? So here we are talking logically to somebody who has very little ability to deal with logic Mm -hmm. because they're scared. Mm -hmm. Anyways.
1: No, I think that's beautiful, Todd. I think one of the the thing that comes into my mind when you said that is sometimes we'll be saying to our kids like they'll come home and maybe you got a call from the school and they're like feeling bad and you're like angry with them and then all and then you're having this conversation and they're feeling defensive and then you're like, oh yeah and then go clean your room too. Yeah. Like we add all this like insult to injury like where we're like so frustrated that we keep we're telling them other things. Well, that I'll they're come doing up wrong. with
0: another example. Okay, came home Saturday night. You had a bad headache. Oh, such a bad headache! <laughs> the house was a mess. It's funny how when because Skylar and I were at Chris and Minisha's, mm-hmm. and um, so I wasn't around to kind of clean up. Uh-huh. You were out for the count from like two o'clock on because of migraine. It's so funny how like these little windows of time where we're not like. <laughs> Picking things up. Picking things up that the whole house kind of goes in disarray.
1: (laughs) Do you remember the next morning when I opened the garbage? So we have one of those drawer garbages and it was like full (laughs) to the top. And I was like, really? Like what's the hard... And again, I know what the hard part is. Nobody wants to take the bag out.
0: So (laughs) I went upstairs and talked to my kid that was home (laughs) and I knew I was making a mistake. (laughs) I knew it. I knocked on the door. And I tried to be the soft voice and I I didn't, I could have handled it much more poorly, but I said, listen, do you think it would be possible (laughs) to clean up the French fries that are sitting on the counter and the multiple boxes that are sitting? And she said, now or before I go to bed? I said, just before you go to bed. Yeah. And I did it. What I didn't know was that she went and got food for everybody. She took care of all of us. All these things. So like Mm -hmm. I made a judgment that this kid's irresponsible and leaving her stuff all over. Yeah which she's actually pretty good at leaving her stuff all over. Right. Um, But what I didn't know was she took care of you and our other kid who was not feeling well. Yeah. So it's just, it's another example. You know, I was patting myself on the back about how I showed up this morning with you. And like I said, I didn't handle it horribly, but I could have done a lot better with Cameron on Saturday night. But because all I did was I didn't ask her how her day was. I didn't ask her anything. I just said, hey, knock, knock, knock. Can you clean the crap up? You saw the surface and
1: you didn't know what had happened since two o'clock, which was basically, you know, Todd already said this, but because I I was down for the count. I kept telling people, I'm like, I think I'm feeling better. And yet I was like as flat on my back as possible. And so she's just like, let me, I'll get dinner, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. go pick it up. I'll do this. I'll take care of, you know, my other daughter was home from college. She bailed us out. She totally did everything. But then you and I, exactly, we see the, we see the leftover. So much
0: easier for us to see what's wrong versus what's right.
1: Exactly. So that, and that is something, it doesn't mean, okay, I'm wrong. You shouldn't have had to clean up the boxes. It just means like you did a lot, and then this is just one more piece. Like, I try and be funny with all my girls about... They're so funny with, like, dishes. Okay, we have a dishwasher. Yeah. We are privileged enough to have a dishwasher because there was a long period of time I lived in an apartment with no dishwasher, and you and I lived together with no dishwasher. Well,
0: we had the one where you had to, like, wheel it over, yeah. plug it into the sink, yeah. which was awesome.
1: Do you, Oh, my God, do you remember that? And yeah. it would, like, spray everywhere yeah. when we... I mean, it's, like, funny early yeah. marriage things. So now we have a really nice dishwasher. So I see that in a very positive light like this is great and my girls often will eat and then they take it so we they have learned the rules of and i'm not i'm saying rules they have learned the community behavior that you bring your plate into the kitchen but we miss the boat with then you rinse it out and put it in the dishwasher scrape
0: rinse put in
1: it's like that part we missed and so there's sometimes I wake up and there's just a bowl sitting there and I'm like, that dishwasher's right there.
0: And then they'll say, oh, it was full. Well, God forbid they empty the dishwasher <laughs> or sometimes it's empty and they're just too lazy to do that.
1: I was going to say most of the, and that's, and see, catch your words. Mm. you What did you just say? Too lazy. Yeah. And that's not true. Um, Calling your children lazy. They're not lazy. They're just mm, not.
0: Generally speaking, they're not lazy, but right. in regards to Putting dishes in dishwashers, they're lazy. Well,
1: they don't want to. They don't believe that that's part of their like community tomato, job.
0: Tomato, tomato, oh, sweetie. Geez.
1: Well, I just don't like that word because I think parents too easily use that with kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're lazy because my kid who left her bowl at 11.30 had just come home from a shift of work True. when she had gone to school all day. Yeah. So to call her lazy, mm-hmm. it seems like a really unfair, I hear you. you know. But your point is... To me, I think it's they don't think they have to. And my goal lately has been, you guys, you know it's a lot easier setting it here, putting it in the dishwasher.
0: But that's not easier if you think about it. But it's much it easier is. just to throw it on the counter. Is it? For sure.
1: But if you like bring it because in. Because if
0: you can set it on the counter, you don't have to worry about the scraping or the washing or anything. If you put it in the in the sink, that's 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 some work right there. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's like, you know...
0: I tr- Which is like three inches away from the counter. Well,
1: that's my whole point. Like, I'm kind of like, this is just as easy. So it's just a shift in behavior and saying, instead of just thinking you're... I always call it like community, you know, work because it's not a chore. Yeah. It's not something I'm expecting you to do and nobody else. We all live in this house. Yeah, we're in this
0: little village together. We're in this village. Let's so
1: your community, <laughs> you know, membership yeah. includes doing this, but somehow it just got stopped at the the sink.
0: Well, and I could sit here and judge them, but I can also take my share of the responsibilities that I've basically made it okay for them to not have to do that. Well, and
1: that's kind of what I'm trying to pick up now. And they're, they're much older. um, But there is this sense of, you know, it's because I did it. Sure.
0: We keep doing it. We keep doing it. Why would they do it any differently?
1: And let me tell you another secret.
0: Hmm.
1: I like when the day is over, it's often, sometimes we pick up dinner. A lot of times we pick up dinner. Sometimes we cook dinner, and then when the day, when dinner is over, did you say
0: you have a secret?
1: Yeah, I'm telling you. Secret, secret, oh, Dynasty Young.
0: I'm just, I'm always like five seconds too late on the sound effects.
1: Well, that's because we're doing this in real time. We're not <laughs> producing it. We're just trying our best to get doing this in real time. So anyway.
0: A secret, secret, <laughs>
1: getting deep into, like, music laughter again because that was, like, a number one song.
0: What were we thinking?
1: Kilroy. Yeah. It was about Kilroy. What the hell's
0: going on in I that song? I don't
1: know. They were trying to also do the rock opera thing, I think, like Queen did.
0: Yeah. It, they just weren't doing it as well.
1: I, if I remember correctly, and people listening, you may say, like, no, Kathy, you've got this wrong. But Dennis D. Young really wanted them to be a certain way. Like, mm-hmm. he wanted a certain kind of mm-hmm. – he wanted sticks to be thought of a certain way. And Tommy Shaw and the other guys who I don't know their names were like, let's just play some rock and roll music. Yeah. And I think they broke up because yeah. of that. And now talk about touring. I think they both tour. Oh, really? But do stick songs. Interesting. Yeah. I think they- They broke up. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Shaw ended up in a different band um, with Ted Nugent. What was that
0: called? This is important. Damn
1: Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Damn Yankees. Anyway. Okay. My secret is- Yes, what is it? That when dinner's over, I kind of want to put my earphones oh, in and yeah. clean the kitchen I and you, I want everybody to go away.
0: You really dig that, which I love because then I can go play with Skylar or I can go onto my computer. Or... I know.
1: And and the reason I like it is because everybody's leaving me alone because yeah. most of the time it's kind of like conversation questions. And if I'm like, no, I will clean the kitchen, everyone runs. Yeah, Everyone's like, this is an opportunity to not have to do this. And then I feel- productive, but also like- You
0: you do some self-care Self-care,
1: yeah. So it's kind of an interesting, so that's my secret.
0: Two stones or one stone, two birds.
1: So one of the things about this though that I thought was interesting, Tad, is when you read this Zen Parenting Moment, Mm -hmm. you brought up to me, you said, oh, that is kind of like finances. And
0: so- so I'm a personal finance stock market nerd guy uh-huh. and I love reading books about how to make money and using investments and <clears throat> some somehow we stumbled upon the conversation where you're like yeah sometimes things just don't make sense you you think you're approaching a conversation well, with let, somebody let,
1: let me read this sure, and then it'll spark why okay. So I said, you know, I'm curious why one conversation could leave me feeling full, another leaving me empty, blah, blah, blah. I still notice the details of every experience, analyzing it. Uh, As a clinician, I've learned to recognize patterns of behavior. Through theory and lots of experience, we can predict how people will respond. Mm -hmm. And then here's the part. But not always, because there are no certainties about behavior. Behavior is triggered by so many threads and interweaving parts, usually based in personal history and trauma. Individual reactions are unique to the moment moment and are often unpredictable. And that's when you said... The
0: parallel I drew was the same... It goes the same thing with uh, evaluating stock markets. And I found this clip, which explains it better than I can. So hopefully it'll make sense.
1: Thinking... Wait a minute, I thought stock traders were supposed to be really logical people. Well, you just waded into a century-long debate about the very nature of the stock market. Is it a rational mechanism that accurately reflects what companies are worth? Or is it governed by the touchy-feely emotions and biases that all humans are subject to?
0: So the stock market and personal relationships are the same thing it's exactly we're done let's close no like the point is um it doesn't matter how smart we think we are in evaluating stocks and the market trends um there is irrationality and it's called people like people right we can't predict no i can't predict what's going to happen how you're going to react to something right you might react intensely or you may not give two craps about Whatever it is I'm about to bring up, right? And I'm not going to know until I ask. And then you're not going to even—it's not even a thought. It's just something that happens. Like we're we're behaving not from logic, right? We're be, we're behaving based upon all these things that happened to us when we were little kids, exactly. And all these things that might happen to us tomorrow and every day beyond. So it's not an easy thing to do.
1: And that's so you know Todd can talk finances, and and I will talk about. People is that we are, when we're in a conversation, someone may say a word that reminds us of something from when we were seven. Mm -hmm. And then we have a very shut down or angry response that is kind of unpredictable because no people, the person who said the word didn't know that that would affect you in that way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not talking about words that are obviously derogatory or inappropriate. I'm not talking about those kind of words. I'm talking about it could be something about like someone may say, yeah, you know, I used to love to do that with my dad. Did you do that with your dad? but your dad you didn't have a close relationship with your dad or your dad left when you were 7 yeah. or and so you have a very <gasps> response mm-hmm. And that person didn't know.
0: We were just watching Dope Sick last night. Oh boy, Dope Sick. I know it's kind of... What was it, last year or two years ago it came out? I think it came out at the end of last year. It's really good. Um, It's about the opioid crisis and Michael Keaton plays a doctor who lost his wife to ovarian cancer and the sales rep is um, talking about some trip that they want to bring all the doctors to so they can convince them to buy and, and... Oxycontin. Yeah, Oxycontin. And he's like, he's like, bring your wife. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Michael Keaton, he's such a good actor. He just handles it in a very realistic way. But yeah, like, we don't know. We, We think we have an idea of what some things might mean to somebody else. But until we say it or do it or behave that way, we're just guessing.
1: So let's talk about this with our children. When our children come home from school and we ask questions like, you know, did you hang out with your friends? Did Was lunch fun with your friends? And if our kids had a tough day with their friends or they didn't have anyone to sit with at lunch or something happened and we're like, hey, how's your friend so-and-so doing? It can really trigger not only the feeling that our kid has about that on their own, but a feeling of shame or guilt that they can't please their parent in that moment with an answer.
0: So this brings me up to an idea of something I wish I could have, which is not possible. I wish we all had signs on our forehead that said where we were in that moment. Mm. Like when your kid, when you pick up your kid, we don't know how their day was. Mm -hmm. And I wish they said, like I, I use this zero to 10 scale, like zero means you're totally Zen, 10 means that you're just so mad at everybody and everything. And I wish we had that. Like when you walked in the door, I wish I would have known right now I'm like redlining at a nine because I'm so upset with what happened this morning. Mm -hmm. Like I would have probably had a different energy the moment that you showed up, but it took me a while to kind of figure that out. Um, so I wish we had this, this line on our forehead, but it's that that's not the way it works. And there's something else I was going to say about that line on the forehead. I don't remember what it was.
1: So let's go off of that. That's actually what this essay is about is we are offering that information at all times if we tune in, in. because people walk in the door and you can feel an energy. You can notice how they're moving. You can notice their facial expressions, their body movements. Do they go upstairs first? Do they kind of hang their head? Are they quiet? Are they talkative, talkative? Because a lot of times, (laughs) you know, that's how I can tell with one of my daughters, she's and so I know that she's got all this great energy. Like her talking a lot we have learned is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like with some kids talking a lot is to avoid yeah. other things. So you have to know your own kid, but there is all that information. No, they don't have a sign on their head or, you know, a number system, but there is information
0: there. And you are very good yeah. at tuning in. Yeah. I am not as good. I think we all, I think we all, we have, we the all have the ability, to be. Mm-hmm. but how much do we nurture it as a coach? I think I'm getting better at yep. it. Um, but it's it's it comes much <clears throat> comes to me much more in a more difficult way than it comes to you in well, my judgment.
1: And let me take ownership of something that I think everyone can relate to. Um, so there's this one story in Mark Nepo's book of awakening that I always think about where he visits his grandmother and she is looking outside and she says, "Man, it's been gray for so many days." And then he said, well, grandma, your window's dirty. We need to clean your window. And Mm. they clean the window. And she's like, oh, there's the sun. The reason why this is like a great metaphor is sometimes our windows are dirty. Mm. So we are seeing our kids through the lens of our own Mm. discomfort. So like they may walk in and we have kind of a dirty lens or a dirty window. And so we're like, Oh, my God, there's something wrong with them. And there's not. We just haven't – we're not grounded. And so this is why this becomes really intricate.
0: How do we clean our windows?
1: Well, I mean, this is self-awareness, right? Like I know that we're never going to do this perfectly, but I can take ownership for – I don't feel good right now emotionally or physically. So I'm not good at assessing mm-hmm. where people are because everything feels a little more scary or uncomfortable right now for me. But it doesn't mean they're feeling that way. Yeah. Um, and this is like we move in and out of this and and I think the only I think what Todd just said before is really the language, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. And you Even like doing this since I was little, it doesn't mean I always get it right. There's plenty of times that I'm like, I think she was really upset. And Todd's like, "Uh, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't always see it clearly, but I do feel something different with my kids sometimes when everyone else is like, oh, they're fine. I'm like, I know they're not. I can tell. And that's, I don't feel, that's definitely more internal than, than what I'm seeing with my eyes. Well, and I
0: don't know if we want to get into this, but there's times when you do have more intuition and you feel it. And you feel it so much that it's um, maybe not that productive. And I judge it sometimes. I feel it not enough that sometimes it's not productive. Sure. I feel like there's this pendulum that I don't. You never get to that that center place on the pendulum. It's more like just recognizing, oh, I'm I'm a little too boundaryed. Like I'm really not tuning into this kid at all. Yeah. And I it, whatever this kid has to offer, it's not really impacting me at all. And then the pendulum the other way is like you know, I'll exaggerate it, like your kid has one small bad thing that happens to them and then your whole day is shot as a result of it. And I'm exaggerating that example. But so that's a, and that's kind of a different topic, but I think it's an important one.
1: Well, I think what I'm working on now, having older kids, is realizing that um, a new practice for me is that I am tuning into things They are real. I can ask questions about it, but it's not my job to solve it. Um, And that doesn't mean if they ask for help, I don't help them. It means that something that, you know, in my own therapy I'm learning is like you have set a foundation, Kathy, where they know they can come to you, right? So you don't have to like dig after every detail, to make sure they know that they can come to you, like you have, they may need to go somewhere else, or sit with this for a while, or, or feel this feeling without your engagement. Um, and I've never felt I'm not very helicoptery. Mm-hmm. It's not that kind of thing. I don't come in and rescue my kids no. from things. It's more about can it's I a- help you with the emotional release? Well,
0: and you're awesome in the crisis. Yeah. Sometimes after the crisis, it debilitates you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, you hang on too much, and I sometimes don't hang on enough. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're dancing together. Like, we are. You know, we help each other out. Like, there's times when you're like, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And I feel like you're not even aware that this is a big deal. And I'll have to, like, oh, well, yeah, maybe there is some more that I need to feel in this moment and vice versa.
1: I agree. And I think that when we have these conversations, um, you know, I'm thinking about things from years ago. Like I remember when COVID was first coming and it was like the end, early March and Todd was like figuring out our flights for spring break. I'm like, dude, we are not going. <laughs> yes. Like this, it's we a, are not going. And he's like- It's a wonderful
0: example. I'm like, I'm, we're yeah, going, we're gonna going. sit on a beach. Yeah. Little did we know the beaches were gonna shut down. So like you knew more than I did, you felt more than I did. And, and it helped. I was tuning into. There was no big announcement by
1: government yet. I was like, "This isn't the right thing to do." Right. Like, there's also like a value. And I'm not saying you don't you don't have a value no, system. No, but
0: I'm more willing to break rules. Yes, for
1: sure. Todd. Todd's he can drive on the shoulder occasionally. Um, when I'm like people aren't supposed to drive on the shoulder.
0: Well, you'll be proud of me. Um, when I was picking up JC at school the other day, I. Um, She had to unload a bunch of stuff. She goes Uh to Grand Valley State, Uh and she told me to hop the curb Uh so we wouldn't have to walk with all of her stuff all the way to the parking lot, and I chose not to because I'm a rule follower, damn it. You are not a rule follower. I followed that rule.
1: Yeah, you did. You did. And you know, sometimes Todd is very good at reminding me, not about breaking rules because he knows I'm not big into that. I'm I'm very rule follower-y, but he is good at reminding me That How how do I say this? It's not about rules, like empowering me to like see beyond something Mm -hmm. like this is actually okay, Kathy, like look at, you know, yes, people are saying this, but you can you can do this and you're not going to hurt anybody because sometimes I'm I'm following a. Oh, kind of like the vibe of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, this seems like the right way to go. And you're like, it is, but you can also do this and that's okay. And I'm speaking so generally, but
0: you you know what I mean? Stand in your own power. Stand in your own power. Take in all the information, but don't just go with the flow um, at the mercy of uh, betraying yourself. Right. So, and that's a pendulum. Like, it's a big pendulum. I know. Everything. Um, One thing I was going to say real quick is... As our kids get older, and I think this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways, we're more um, the cheerleader than the coach who's giving instruction. For sure. When our kids are eight, there's a lot they don't know. But when our kids are 18, you know, hopefully we've, we've laid the foundation for them to start, you know, the whole point of this whole parenting thing. Is so they can go. So they can go. Yeah. And we sometimes forget, I sometimes forget, like, oh, we've done a lot of work on this kid and she should have the ability to navigate this really tricky situation. Well, and, and I don't even know. And again, I know you're going to be like, I get it, Kathy. But with words, we
1: didn't do a lot of work on them. We well, just were just there every, for their challenges. Yeah, yeah just
0: how we showed up, yeah. I think is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, how we showed up in, the, in situations either helping them get to a outcome that was positive for them or supporting them as they were dealing with a negative outcome is that they then have that internal trust. You know,
0: I have a hypothesis that is not based on science and I think it's probably wrong, but I'm going to say it anyways. Oh Great. The most important moments of parenting are the second they show up and every second is a little bit less important. Hmm. Like literally when, 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 our kids were born like, you know, because there, isn't there like psychological studies about when kids are embraced and loved the minute that they come out of mama's belly, that mm-hmm. they are more likely to be successful because of the impact of what it meant for them to feel the minute they, the, the moment they showed up?
1: Yeah. But because brains are neuroplastic and because things, because that's like someone, say someone had an emergency C-section sure. and couldn't be with their child yeah. right away. It doesn't mean their child is right. not set up for success. Right. Like, and honestly, I had, you know, I you know, as you guys all know, who listen to this show, I gave birth to Skylar in such a dramatic way in our car that I wasn't—I was in shock, so sure. I wasn't able to hold her initially. Mm-hmm. And my point is, is that there are things along the way mm-hmm. that can be helpful in the process of their brain and body development. Yeah. You know, attachment parenting, things like that. But if if you went back to work yeah. and you couldn't do that, other caregivers can yeah. offer that. So. The thing I would I would challenge Todd is that I think when our kids are in middle school and high school, they don't need us in the same way. They yeah. don't need us to put on their socks and yeah. you know tie their shoes, but they do need us around. For
0: sure. Well, and I'll, for some reason, I'm thinking of Dan Siegel and one of his books, and I haven't read that many of them, but I read a few of them. He talked about one of his clients who was 90 years old who was set in his ways. Right. And Dan Siegel, you know, I don't know what he did. He worked his magic and. You know, the whole old dog, new tricks, this does not... It's not true. It's not true.
1: It's just about can you lay a foundation? The, the thing about learning best practices with parenting or with helping raise a human is that you can set a foundation more simply without having to unlearn mm-hmm. something. Sure. Can a child or an adult unlearn something? Of course. Mm-hmm. Again, their, their brain neuroplasticity is a thing and you can learn... You can realize something you were doing before is not okay and change behavior. But sometimes because of things like cellular memory and you know previous trauma, sure. it can sometimes be harder. It's not that it's impossible. It's just a little yeah. more- Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible.
0: But it sometimes might be a little more challenging. I say we close early because we got a sudden talk in 52 minutes. All right. What do let's you think? do it. Is there anything else you wanted to share? So
1: let me just read this last part of this this essay. So this is the final thought about it. When people interact, they just want to be seen and understood. They want to know they are valued and that they belong. Conversational defense mechanisms kick in if a person feels unsafe or misunderstood, and this shifts the entire dynamic of an interaction. But if someone trusts they're being heard or they feel that a person gets them, they will relax and open. And you know, it's simple in theory, not always in practice, but if an interaction feels like it's going off the rails, go back to what makes people feel safe. Take a breath, listen, stay present, and pay less attention to what happened before or what you think might happen, and just pay attention to the person in front of you. That's, that's the information that we can take from this is, we've just spent an hour talking about how we don't always do this well. Mm-hmm. But when you realize it's going off the rails, slow down, Quit thinking about, but they said this, or what if they do this? And just do now. Mm. That's, that's the simplest way.
0: Be here now. You got it. As opposed to being somewhere else then. Deep. I should write a book. Be somewhere else then. <laughs> but not here now. Um, two quick plugs. Men Living, it's a virtual uh, community of guys connecting deeply and living fully. No requirements, no creeds, no gurus. Just check us out at menliving.org. And then Jeremy Kraft, he is a bulb headed beauty. God bless that man. He
1: built this podcast studio.
0: He did. uh, Painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Check him out at avidco.net. His phone number is 630-956-1800. Um, and I think that's about all I got for today. All right. As far as that. Uh, thanks to everybody for being so awesome with the summit. Yeah.
1: And with the book, Zen Parenting, the book is available. and audio book should be available when you're listening to this. Kindle is Kindle's available. Yeah. Get it everywhere. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star
0: review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, Pre ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at ZenParentingRadio.com.
1: If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.